The Idaho Technology Council presents Innovation Matters, a look at innovators, rule breakers, and thought leaders from across Idaho. From our studios in beautiful downtown Boise, here is your host, the CEO and founder of the Idaho Technology Council, Jay Larson. Hello, this is Jay Larson with Innovation Matters. Today is July 6th, 2022, and we have a fantastic guest that's joining us today. Uh, Will Pott with Power Engineer is is with us, and uh, we just uh, welcome Will. Uh, but first, Will, I hope uh, hope you had a great Fourth of July here recently. How, how was your Fourth? Thanks, Jay. It's good. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, the Fourth was fantastic, right? It was sort of 68 degrees and clear, dark skies, yeah. and uh, as many fireworks as any of the kids could count. So we had a we had a great time. How did you, you did you do your own fireworks and did uh, no no. <laughs> no that's a law I follow yeah that's a law that you do okay <laughs> no, that's a good point uh, I, I think it's important to note that Will lives up in the Wood River Valley right Will yep yeah we live in Haley in Haley so area the historic headquarters of power yeah which is awesome and by the way my Fourth of July was great so uh, I learned uh, that I have a dog a Jill Jack Russell that's really good about noise. But if you'll take them too close to the fireworks, it's not good. That's what I found. Yeah, our cats were hiding under different beds. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, they don't get along, so they each have their own room. Their own room that they go. Right, that's good. So, so, so let's see, Will. Uh, um, talk a little bit about what you do for power really quick that brought you to Idaho. Sure. Um, so I came, actually came to Idaho two years ago, uh, early pandemic at this point. We thought it was going to be sort of mid to late pandemic. Uh, turns out uh, that was optimistic. Uh, and we came in summer of 2020. So I moved from D.C. with my family. Uh, we had been living there for 11 years. I worked for power in D.C. for a while, focusing on the government market. Uh, power is an architecture and engineering firm, primarily engineering, um, in the electric sector. And so there is a very large government market for that kind of service, and that was what I was focused on. Uh, and, and it might to, be it might uh, be good knowing to just really quickly sure. on power engineer side of it that um, you're really one of the most one of the stronger uh, uh, engineering consultative companies in the United States, right? In your area? Yeah, yeah, number three in power. Okay, so that's uh, Engineering News Record releases a series of rankings every year, and we always check the rankings to see <laughs> see how we're doing. Uh, and, and so far, you know, we've we've done pretty well. We're usually ascending. And usually towards the top half of every list, depending on how it's you know how you slice the data. Yeah, that's great. Uh, for power design, yeah, very. It's an important company, but because of the brand, because the brand is, it sounds like the function power engineers, right? It sounds like it isn't a company, but it is a company, uh, and it's one of the larger ones. So uh, our general counsel uh, called it a sleeper company one day, and I thought that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it, it, you wouldn't it's, know it's there unless you are in the field focused on, on this service. And one of the most amazing companies based here in Idaho. So it's pretty amazing. So Yeah, we turn 46 this year, I think. Wow. Yep. 46 years. Yeah. It seems like it was just true. yesterday when it was founded. I mean, and, and everything with Jack Hand moving to back to, uh, to Idaho. So, so you were attracted uh, because you joined the power engineers back in Washington D.C. on the government business side of it, yep. and then we got you to move to Boise. I mean, to, to Idaho. Yeah, I knew there would be some gravity to to the Idaho headquarters, and that yeah. was really important to me. Uh, my wife's from the Northwest, so it was it was sort of a uh, there was a, a gentle pull that that, uh, that contributed, uh, as well as the quality of life has been 
you know, we expected it to be uh, a big change for, for myself and my wife and three boys. Uh, and it has been. It's been a very positive change. We really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of a, you're coming from Washington, D.C. area, you know, to Haley. That's, uh, that's a big shift, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the opposite end of the spectrum. And so, it's been, been, um, been good for the family, though, on this type of stuff. Yeah, the way I describe it for people who haven't been here or to the Valley or to Idaho maybe at all is that everything is either eight minutes away or maybe 10 minutes away or 20 if it's in Ketchum or it's a day trip. Yeah. And so, you know, we don't do, we only do the day trip or we do a relatively short trip. And that means that certain things aren't happening. Like, like we were talking about kids soccer games. We don't do so many of those. Um, or at least the variety of opponents is relatively limited. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but we, but we do have more time to spend in between music lessons and school activities and that sort of thing, because those trips are no longer 48 minutes out and back. Right? Yeah. It's, it's 18 minutes out and back, that kind of thing. So well, can, that's been a, a we're, we're glad, welcome change. Glad that you were able to, to get here and it's working out good for the family and the, you and your wife and your three boys. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, and the role has actually changed a little bit since, we, since I came. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, part of you know, how we got to know each other was uh, shifting away from that sort of um, selling into the government market focus and more into the innovation ecosystem focus. And how does, how does power as a company participate more deeply in what's happening in Boise, what's happening in the energy sector in America, worldwide potentially? How do we get more engaged and, and, and both gain more and give more in a, in a very dynamic environment? So, so you've changed, since already you come, you've had a, uh, a shift to be able to look at um, the, ch- the changes within the electrification of an area. Is that, is that primarily, I'm just trying to make sure I get my... F- sure, yeah. No, there's, um, if we think about the clean tech sector as a whole, yeah. right? There is uh, multiple ways that you know you can sort of qualify for clean tech, and I'm doing air quotes. Um, it was it, good though. I liked yeah. it. bunny ears. I call <laughs> yeah. them bunny ears. Yeah. Think, so. Um, so there's lots of things that, that are sort of technical and good. Yeah. Right? You, you are either cleaning up you know water pollution, air pollution, making energy cleaner from the start, um, making agriculture greener. There's sort of a lot of different things you can do, and that. That market as a whole has gone through its, um, say, um, hills and valleys. Right. Um, it's in, in the middle or, or maybe at the crest of a resurgence, right, of, of added interest, added capital, added innovation, a lot more activity. Um, and, you know, we see huge change in the electric sector, right, partly driven by the explosion of computing power, right. um, by the explosion of available data. Um, and by the ability to automate some of the things that uh, were done by humans in the past. And so the, you know, the relative technology hasn't changed. All the physics are obviously the same as they always were, but our ability to deal with the physics and to integrate them to each other, right? So this large nuclear plant, a medium-sized coal plant, a large wind plant, and somebody's uh, office building or res- you know, single-family residence those are all operating at very different scales, and integrating them together is mathematically complicated. It's now much more possible than it was even 10 years ago. And so you know, that's one axis of innovation. There's also sort of battery chemistry happening, right? There's also 
uh, material science happening in the design of wind turbine blades, right. the coatings, all of you know the coatings of um, PV panels, right? The actual glass that goes on the front of the panel is changing, and so there's this giant waterfront of innovation, and some of it matters more or less to our business and to our practitioners, uh, but we want to make sure we're engaged with it. So that's a good, uh, very good point. Just of curiosity on this. With all the change that's taken place, this waterfront, you're, you're just uh, kind of describing this landscape. How do you keep up with all the changes yourself with, as power engineers? I mean, because this, yeah. this isn't an easy, uh, I mean, when you take a look at how, you know, the, the, and what's supposed to be taking place with respect to renewable energies over the next 10 to, to 30 years, it's, it's going to be a lot of change, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we're we're blessed in several ways. Um, one is we because of our our age and our history of success, we've grown to a reasonable size. So for an engineering firm, we're quite large, uh, nearly three thousand employees this year, wow. and so that means we have lots of tendrils, lots of people paying attention to different things in different pockets of expertise. Right, somebody is focusing on. The glass in a PV turbine, a PV turbine, the glass in a PV cell. Someone else is focused on the way that um, a wind turbine is generating and, and the reliability coming out of that machine or that set of machines. And someone else, again, is focused on the integration of large and small scale, either customer sited or central generation, as we would call it. Um, so we have lots of tendrils. We have very, very smart people. I'm just going to come out and say it. we've got some of the best people. Um, and I think. The other thing that, that is um, in our favor is we've historically made our our business and our brand on the back of very difficult projects. We've mm-hmm. really thrived on the hardest things to solve. And that does put us on the cutting edge in many ways. We don't catch every single wave that comes ashore, uh, but we do get called and get um, engaged in some of the toughest projects and the most complicated projects that haven't been done before. And so we have a history of of being out on the edge. On the edge. And what we want to do now is, is continue to keep pushing ourselves, even in places where maybe it hasn't been our historical focus. Our historical focus has been on the kind of heavier, larger parts of the of the electrical industry uh, and, and some other adjacent industries. Uh, but some of the very fascinating innovation is uh, not necessarily in that core part of our business. It might be at the edges of our business or in some of our smaller business units. Right. And think about food processing or uh, siting and routing of uh, infrastructure, whether it's electrical or water or otherwise. Do you, do you uh, I was really kind of amazed when you were start talking about this digitization of America, you know? I mean, you know, like, uh, I mean, just simple little things from where you used to have to go to periodicals to be able to get data and information, right? Or or encyclopedias. I mean, it's just really old stuff, right? Yeah. Now you have information at your fingertips because uh, data, you know, being stored in these massive data centers and to be able to have um, all these access at your fingertips in a lot of ways um, is, is and, and this, this has got to create a lot of changes within your, you know, with your industry, right? Definitely. I think, I think, I think the first order effect is that it makes it way more salient. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, it's it's more like you don't have water in the tap, and and it's less like oh, the grass is getting a little long outside. Right. It's not something that you have the patience to deal with anymore because it, it's existential. Right. And it's not that the 
the, the card and the card catalog is faded. It's that the card catalog doesn't exist because the, the power's off, right? Or your internet's down and your provider hasn't restored it. And therefore you have no card catalog, you have no library, you have no pen and paper. Right. <laughs> you have just nothing you can do, right? You, you have to take the day off. And, you know, for many people, that's not really a realistic option, especially when those days kind of progress one against the other. And so it feels, I think, much more salient, much more existential than it did. Um, but it also means that, you know, from, a, from an engineering perspective, when it works, it has to work a lot better. A brownout is, is different for an incandescent bulb, right? You're walking through the card catalog and you're like, oh, it's dim here because something's going on. Uh, but if you're trying to go through um, your CPU to get to the card catalog and the power quality isn't there, it won't work well, right? It, it either will sort of cancel and, and fault out and not work um, or, or other things will happen. But it will, it's not the same as just reading by a dim bulb, right? The tolerance for low quality power is, is gone mm-hmm. in many ways, right? So, we, you know, we have to think about um, like the, the classic example is a, you know, a data center or a medical uh, medical application where you can't you can't have faults you can't have outages you know you're looking for what they call them, sort of six nines or nine nines of reliability and percentages oh, it, and, and, oh, and that's oh. happening more and more so yes. more and more of our applications fall into those high sort of high requirements categories yeah <clears throat> and, and will it's what's what's crazy is that I mean, aren't we spoiled in a lot of ways because I mean most people just take for granted that you have energy and the energy is going to be up. Um, almost all the time. I mean, mm. rarely do you have. I mean, in our in in Idaho, mm. I don't know how many. How rarely do we seem like we have an interruption of service of yeah. any kind, right? So yeah, I think we are spoiled, and, and I don't have all the data committed to memory. But I, the Northwest in general is both blessed with relatively cheap power and relatively high reliability power. Yes, yeah. I think you know the biggest threat to us is, is wildfires, and that has been more and more salient in the last few years, obviously. Um, in some cases, and I don't think this applies to the Northwest this year, but yeah. it definitely applies to California this year. Just reservoir levels, you know, behind the hydro, uh, that that is another sort of big factor in our ability to serve our own needs. But that's not that's not a surprise, right? You can you can see the level of the lake, right? And it yeah. doesn't change immediately. It's not like a wildfire that happens overnight. Um, so yeah, you know, I think we're blessed with some of the best uh, and the cleanest power in. In maybe in the world, but certainly in the country. Well, and that has been a, a great thing about having Idaho. I think has most rivers, uh, miles, than any other state in the union, right? So it's always good to have that hydro. But uh, but let's let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you take uh, power engineers, if I'm going to say is a very innovative company because you um, you're helping you know with the future of uh, the energy grids, everything everything's taking place with electrical. Uh, modern, modernization within our country um, and the world, frankly. So, so if that's the case, what's going to be? Oh, l- let me uh, turn this. The um, several states have made it so they've mandated that certain pound percent of energy needs to be brought in through renewable energy by a, uh, years in the future. Like if some have said by thir- twenty thirty five, you have to have, you know. 45, 60% of your, uh, from renewable energy. Um, that being said, uh, what do you see as the future of uh, electrification of, I, uh, of the United States? And um, what are some of the opportunities that you see uh, for the future uh, for power engineers? 
that's a that's a very good and very big question. Um, I think to start to start with or to start from the beginning, the the pattern you described of electrification, right? Pushing more and more activities to be electrically supported, mm-hmm. whether that's transit, personal transport, water pumping, um, you know, displacement of uh, space heating by you know gas or petroleum um, in certain jurisdictions. The more and more we push to the grid, you know, for my personal preferences, I think that's great because you know it's it's easier to clean up electricity than it is to clean up petroleum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to generate it more cleanly with fewer um, or different environmental impacts. Let's, let's say that. Um, so my, per- I think that's personally a positive evolution. It does mean, though, that the grid has to handle a lot more, right? We have to now deliver up to, let's say, Ketchum, all of the space heating, you know, play, play all the things forward. We have to deliver all the space heating for the Wood River Valley up through one line from Mountain Home to Ketchum. We, or I'm not sure exactly where that go, that line goes, whether it goes through Mountain Home or through through Twin, but uh, that one line has to carry all that power. Right. It also has to carry all the power for all the Teslas and the other electric vehicles. Right. Um, and it has to carry all the existing loads that it already serves. And because it's warmer, it now has to carry air conditioning. Right. Now we have to air condition the Wood River Valley when we didn't have to do that 30 years ago. Um, so all of those things are happening, and that line has to grow in its own capacity. Uh, if we add to that the requirement that the power be cleaner and doesn't come from burning diesel in the sort of you know worst possible case, um, and does come from cleaner fuels, and we can make a list of our own political preferences about what those are. Some people include nuclear. Some people include old hydro. Right. All those things change. But right. um, you know, to me that means a few things. Uh, one, that the wires have to get sort of bigger and heavier. They just have to carry more. And so they're either you're either proliferating small wires or making bigger ones, at the fundamental level. Um, that may mean um, making more use out of existing corridors, or it may mean creating new corridors, each of which has a you know, political process behind it. Right. To site the corridor and disrupt habitat or other people's ownerships or interests, all that sort of thing. Um, it also means that we have to figure out how to fuel all, all of that. Right. We have to convert everything into electricity to deliver it. So, so that's the, so. If you're saying the fuel, mm-hmm. what are going to be the sources? Obviously, you know, we still. I mean, there's only so much you can get out of hydro, right? Mm-hmm. So, what else, what are going to be some of the other sources you see over the next ten to fifteen years? I think one of the most exciting things that I've um, seen and talked about in the last six months are the potential evolution um, of new next generation nuclear power um, coming out of American startups. And that's a combination of government involvement from the federal government, um, the Idaho National Lab and some other labs, uh, and the series of, of nuclear-based startups. Because that, that, you know, the traditional old-school nuclear or, you know, what we would think of the sort of mid-century nuclear that um, has supported our fleet for so long and supports major economies around the world, um, it has its downsides. Obviously, it has plenty of upsides. It, it does continue to be very cheap on a variable cost basis, uh, but it has a gigantic capital appetite. It's very hard to site. Uh, it's very hard to cool. You need giant amounts of water to keep it cool, unless you're using a kind of a specialty cooling mechanism that they have in some desert environments. Um, but the the promise of new, smaller, more modular nuclear reactors, either with different um, containment mechanisms or fail-safe mechanisms for the fuel, uh, 
and I'm not a nuclear engineer, so I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to the frontier of my knowledge, and I may go over it without, okay, without any of us knowing. I like that, well, but yeah. Um, so the the ability to uh, kind of um, step past the still very valuable mid-century nuclear engineering into the next generation of that technology is really exciting, both from a sort of domestic clean energy supply perspective, as well as from a fuel safety perspective, as well as from a geopolitical perspective. Wow. I mean, it's it's thrilling. We still have um, challenges with uh, where to get um, all of the enriched uranium and the very the sort of rawest of the materials that we would need to do that. That's still a challenge. Uh, but the ability to uh, integrate that value chain in, in a sort of a domestic way, uh, just like we're trying to do with batteries, it, it's there. It can be done. It just takes uh, a lot of engagement and sort of a specific uh, planned set of investments. Do you, do you, uh, um, it's kind of fun because I know you've made, meaning power engineers made a pretty big investment in the future of, uh, of, um, Nuclear, meaning that you made an investment, you purchased a company out of mm-hmm. New Jersey mm-hmm. several years ago. Yeah. What about uh, what about like solar? Mm-hmm. What, where do you see solar coming in? Uh, before I worked at Power, I uh, worked for the federal government trying to put solar and other renewables on government land. Yeah, um, I would say that was relatively successful at this at the size and at the stage of maturity that the solar market was. Um, at this point, all of that work has been dwarfed by the uptake of solar around the country. Mm-hmm. Right? There are solar farms everywhere. Right? That, that technology is, is, I wouldn't call it too cheap to meter, right? It's not like the sort of jokes from the 1950s about nuclear. Yeah. Um, but the, the bid prices for those for those assets are are so cheap. They are they are able to produce and deliver power at prices that you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's sort of you know in some cases sort of one penny, right? So it's so, so, so the one so that's out cheap. out here, uh, you mm-hmm. know, west of uh, I guess east of Boise, mm-hmm. as you start driving towards, uh, you know, your home up up in uh, Wood River, what is that uh, is. But is that doing the same type of thing with low-cost solar? Um, it's, but it's, it's a also, good question. Every, everybody's PPA is different in private. Okay. So you, we might be able to discover it with some research, but I don't know it. Don't right. know that one. Okay, so maybe the question would be, is, hasn't, it, hasn't it been storage has been the big issue with, mm-hmm. with, uh, with solar, or is that still the issue? Still yeah, the issue? that is still the issue. So you still see um, what we call transients, so yeah. when a cloud goes over the sun. Uh, you can see it, and you, you can see it in my camper, right? I've got a little folding solar panel. But yeah. you, you can see the output dip, and when you propagate that across several acres, it's a big, it's a big dip. Uh, and so storage technologies can do several things for that. Right? They can start to smooth out the dip so that uh, the perceived input from at the gate of the farm is flatter and better. Right. We all like predictability, right? So right. Idaho Power also enjoys predictability. And when, and when you know, the stuff coming out of the gate is flat and clean, much, much better. Highly preferred. Um, much higher prices. So they pay more for that higher quality power. Um, and if, you know, to the extent that you can add those, those services behind your gate before your customer sees it, great. Uh, and that's, been, that's also been getting vastly cheaper over time. Wow. So the ability to... to you know, use um, open, sunny land to create clean, high-quality power is dramatically expanded from 10 years ago. 
even from five years ago. Uh, and I, I think that's certainly here to stay. Uh, you know, the limiting factor, I think, depending on who you ask, right, the limiting factor from a chemical perspective is probably lithium, right? It, it is a volatile and relatively rare and expensive element. So people are looking at alternative chemistries for battery, hmm, battery technology that would allow you to clean up the power in the same way. Will wind have, uh, I mean, will it, was solar going to be much stronger than wind or what, what are your thoughts there? I think they'll both coexist forever. Okay. Um, you know, the, the major untapped resource in America right now is offshore wind, right? That, that program, the ability for the federal government to bid those lands out hasn't existed until the last few years. Hmm. Um, started with Rhode Island and is starting to take off on the east and west coasts. Um, but it, that was just a closed market. You know, it, te- it technically and fundamentally existed the whole time, uh, but the government wasn't set up to do it. They were only um, willing and able to lease for petroleum drilling. Wow. Uh, so that's, that's improved. But the ability to release land for solar, you know, you can do it. I could do it if I had any land. Um, the government, you know, what I was doing with the feds uh, 10 years ago was trying to help the government release that land for solar on dry land. Well, and, and uh, the solar that we have right now, there's uh, the ability to be able to have materials so you can turn around and just have these buildings downtown Boise you can generate elect- mm-hmm. electricity, right? By, by some of these. It's going to be... Yeah, it'll be a fun thing. But I know power engineers is going to be the one thing I do know. Power engineers will always be at the forefront of all these changes because that's what you do, and you do it really well. We certainly hope so. That's yeah. that's exactly what we're focused on is is trying to make sure we're engaged in those changes and contributing what we know. Like I said, yeah. we have some of some very very smart people, um, strong opinions, a lot of experience to offer, a lot of customer knowledge to offer about you know how, if you have a product. How does one make it attractive to a utility or yeah. other customers? What do, what makes it more or less useful? And so it's an invaluable piece of the puzzle. This is uh, this has been. Uh, I know we, we've talked about uh, a lot with uh, what Power Engineers provides, you know, and the services and how amazing of an asset Power Engineers is to Idaho. So thank you very much, Will, for all of that Powers does. And I need to make sure. I let uh, listeners know that uh, uh, Will has just replaced Jim Haynes, who is our uh, who's been who's the CEO of Power Engineers, as our board member. So we really appreciate having you on our executive committee, and uh, we look forward to working with you in the future. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And and just just to make sure, I'm not replacing Jim Haynes as CEO of oh, Power. Oh, well, he would. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that that would be part. a difficult conversation tomorrow morning. But uh, definitely uh, happy to help on on ITC's board well, uh, uh, in any way that we can. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> thank you for that clarification, and we we certainly have uh, always appreciated Jim uh, on all he's done for the uh, um, innovative ecosystem in Idaho. Okay, so we have, to end this whole uh, segment, we've got a quote that we'd like to get your thoughts on, okay? So Mahatma Gandhi said this, freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes. What are your thoughts? I think that's, I mean, uh, like many of the things that that Mahatma Gandhi said, um, has sort of, uh, it's so sort of, it's so clear, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's so simple that it, that it can't fail to be true. Um, it's something we work on every day, 
right? If you think about part of the job of an engineer in his, in his or her day job is not to make mistakes, right? Is to make sure that that bridge does not fall down. There is no spark in that substation, yeah. right? That is the, there, there is no room for error, right? That is your license is on the line. And I'm not an engineer, but I'm you know, describing the process of licensing oneself uh, to create public infrastructure. And my wife's an architect, so she's been through this as well. Right. Um, and so in the design process, it is exactly the opposite, right? It, it very, it, mistakes are, are intolerable. We do everything we can to avoid them and protect ourselves and our customers against that. So we design all of these business processes to, to erase or to, you know, to block mistakes and to clean them up before they go out the door. Uh, and, and much like a, you know, a military operation does. Right. Uh, and, and part of the tension, especially in an engineering firm that's focusing on innovation, is, is to free up that part of one's mind to make mistakes and say, hey, this may not make any sense right now. You may not even believe the physics that I'm describing to you right now, but, but stick with me here. You know, keep, keep going. L- listen for a couple more minutes or you know, come back to it in, thir- in, in 90 days and see if the team has changed, right? See if the team has gotten to another point. And we'll, we'll tell you the same story, but with a new, a new twist. And, and maybe now you'll, you'll start to hear it differently. When you first heard, like, never, no way. Someone told me a story um, two months ago about creating output from a PV farm at night. Hmm. And and um, and I tried to hang up the phone, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. And so and so it is, uh, you know, in theory, possible, right? So you know, I, I, we've sort of laughed about it. Like, yes, yes, we're talking about that, um, but uh, no, it's not happening at scale. But yes, let's talk again, That's, right? Yeah, so right. you know, it, it, a little bit of both, uh, a natural skepticism and an, an obligate perfection in the design that actually kind of comes out of a design firm. Um, but for technologies that are on the cutting edge, they're going to have to fail, right? Software is different. Software it, can fail. You can right. have a buggy app in your iPhone for years and not even bother to erase it because it didn't do any damage, right? So a software development process can be very, very different. And so there is a, a middle ground, too, where a hardware development process is going to go through a buggy phase. And, you know, we need that, that um, expert support in many ways, right? It doesn't come from somebody with no background it comes from somebody with the engineering license right who can tell you this is going to fail because of x and can step in and rescue it and be patient enough with the technology and the founders to see them across that what what we would call the valley of death but it is so important to have people that understand what they're like what power engineers does be able to uh, identify the routes to understand safety that's associated with these critical questions, but understand this when you ask what if questions, right? Like, what if we did this one? What if we were able to do this a little bit better? Could we get better gain? Could we get till we get better throughput on certain things, right? So it's great having people like uh, uh, Power in our state, and uh, we appreciate it so much, Will. Well, thanks, Jay. We appreciate it. It's been a, I know it's been a great home for power for, for a long time. So, well, and Looking we hope it's going to be a generation for, or two. Yeah, that's what, yeah, <laughs> at for, the very least. What's the, what, what, what's the, what's, uh, you just said earlier? Uh, 46 years. 46 years. Mm-hmm. And we hope that there's going to be 46 years of Will Potton family in Idaho, too. So, that's yeah, I hope be, so, too. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, so thank you so much, Will, for being our guest today. And, uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, uh, please join us on our next Innovation Matters because in Idaho, innovation really does matter. Thanks for joining us today. 
and we'll talk to you soon. Innovation Matters is a production of the Idaho Technology Council. For membership information and to get involved, visit our website at idahotechcouncil.org. Thanks for listening and helping us transform Idaho's future together.